This episode of Earl Grey is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for your tablet, smartphone, and desktop. Support the show and get a free audiobook of your choice by visiting audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And also by TrekFan. TrekFan isn't just a Star Trek fan club, it's a challenge. You will explore new places, learn new things, and collaborate with other fans to solve puzzles, complete real-life mission objectives, and win great prizes. And in the spirit of an enlightened future, TrekFan is absolutely free. Not just free to play, but completely free. Find out more by visiting fm.trekfan.org. Hey everyone, I'm Rod Roddenberry, and you're listening to Trek FM. T. Earl Grey, hot. It's time for another serving of Earl Grey, our dedicated TNG show. I'm Philip Gilfus, sitting in the center chair this week, and I'm joined by my co-host and certified TNG fan, Transporter Chief Daniel Prue. Uh, Daniel, you uh, you seem really moody since we had those alien visitors last week. Uh, what's what's up with that? Uh, I, I gotta be honest with you. Uh, I just I hate. Lizards. I just hate them. I was bit by one as a child, so anything that is lizard-like reminds me of lizards. Oh, and also terrible fashion really offends me as well, so as you can see, it was kind of the perfect storm here in the transporter room earlier. Okay. And, I mean, I really don't think it's the effect they had on you, but what they made you think about them (laughs) that really made you so upset. Um, I'm also joined by my, wow, well, this is an honor, Badmiral Darren Moser. Uh, sir, w- what conspiracy do you have going on these days? Oh, actually, it's not, it's not a new conspiracy. It's the conspiracy. Actually, everything connects, and I feel like we're on some sort of Star Trek together. It's, it's, I can't explain it, but, like, a ton of things happen on this ship that don't happen to any other ship. It's it's almost like someone's conspiring to to make interesting things happen, and I'm going to get to the bottom of this. Oh, well, yeah, it does seem like if you're a character on the Enterprise, things happen on a weekly basis, usually on Wednesdays. Well, um, for folks who probably can't tell from our intro, um, we're doing one of our sort of alien profile episodes. We haven't done one in a while, and we're going to be focusing on the Cardassians. In the next generation. Um, But before we get to the topic, I do want to remind all our listeners that we do have a special promotion we're running here on Earl Grey and Trek.fm. You can win a bunch of great Star Trek prizes just for reviewing our show, Earl Grey, and the other shows, I guess we have them, on Trek.fm on either iTunes or on Stitcher. And each review can get you an entry into the drawing we're doing, and so we'll give more details at the end of the show. But um, Darren and Daniel, let's kind of get into it. So, Daniel, I'm going to go with you first. You're 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 certainly someone who uh, has is watching Deep Space Nine, like I am right now. The rewatch, kind of Cardassians. You, you know, some people may think of them as more of a DS9 alien, but of course they were TNG first. So, Daniel, kind of what are your first impressions of of seeing these Cardassians on uh on Next Generation? Uh, yeah, like I just we don't get 
uh, a lot of it, a lot of Cardassian action, and of course, you know, the entire they're there for the entire run uh, of Deep Space Nine. So I, I, I myself am one of those people who who consider them a Deep Space Nine race, even though they didn't establish them. Um, I, I don't dislike looking, you know, down, down the list really quick. I don't think I dislike any of their appearances. Uh, it seems like they're very, they play kind of support roles in most of the episodes that they show up in. Um, you know, we don't, I mean, because we were so concerned with the, the Federation Cardassian war that was bloody and terrible and basically almost impossible to watch. So we just pretend like it didn't happen. Uh, which is actually really bothersome, that whole I think, uh, whole thing. But once, you know, of course, so we don't get to see them, we're not fighting Cardassians all the time. Um, but I don't know, uh, I like their appearances, except, except for their initial appearance, as I mentioned before, because it's kind of ugly. Uh, and I like what it sets up for the rest of, of Star Trek. Yeah, I think the Cardassian War is like the Korean War. It's a police action. It's kind of the Forgotten War. Um, what about you, Darren? What, what do you think about the uh, the bloody Cardis? No, I really enjoyed this species on on Star Trek, and you know, having it, you know, the origination within TNG, and just the way they established them, kind of in a similar vein to the Klingons, where the Klingons were again that kind of Cold War type of you know fight whereas with the Cardassians it you, you never really had a ton of direct conflict with them but you just always felt like they were on their side of their border just plotting and just planning well, something Darren in space all wars are <laughs> <laughs> well you know they have that just imaginary you know dotted line going through space and they have their little you know logos on their side and we have our little <laughs> com badges on our side and you just, you know, as long as we have more com badges than they have logos, we're we're good. But no, I really I really enjoyed the species. I loved how it developed. I loved, you know, in in a similar fashion like like Daniel said, you know, obviously they were way more rooted in Deep Space 9 in, in a similar way that almost that Klingons were also covered a lot in that series. But I doesn't I don't think that, you know, d- discounts any of the great uh, interactions that we got between our favorite characters and the species, uh, chiefly, you know, like Miles O'Brien to to name one. Yeah, and kind of for our first sort of subtopic here, we're gonna, we're just gonna do a quick episode run through, um, and then we'll get into some some deeper topics. But like Daniel said, there weren't a lot of appearances, though though more than I thought. Honestly, when I sat down to write the list, it's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, depending on how you count, because one's a two pointer or two-parter. Um, so we're just going to go through them in, in order, and you can go as quick or slow as you want. But they were introduced in the episode The Wounded, um, which, you know, it's as a great said, episode. Yeah, it's, it's a great episode. And it is a very um, odd introduction, like we've sort of said, because it's kind of, The Wounded basically says, yeah, we've had this war for a while, off screen, <laughs> like just to the left, if you had... If you had seen it, just a little. The um, hood's been fighting in it, not <laughs> us. Um, yeah, you know, the thing about the Enterprise, whether it's the Dominion War or the Cardassian War, we try to avoid the big wars. <laughs> we you just know, start them. We like to. Run and leave. <laughs> we start them and we finish them, but we don't like, really want to be in the middle. <laughs> it's either Borg or go home. That's the Enterprise. Um, but anyway, the Wounded basically says there's been this big war. We finally have a peace treaty, but things are kind of dicey. And, you know, will the treaty 
cold and everyone's trying to play nice, but it's, you know, nobody it could go either way. And so with the wounded, we actually get the introduction of these Cardassians. And of course we have the rogue captain who thinks that the Cardassians are still up to their old tricks and aren't demilitarizing or whatever the treaty um, conditions were. So now the wounded uh, introduces the Cardassians, a very unique look that we don't see after the wounded. So um, I'll switch the order. Darren, what did you sort of think of the introduction of them in the wounded and their, and, and Gull Duke, I mean, um, Gull the other guy. <laughs> Gull the other guy. Well, I'll let, I'll let Daniel speak to their facial characteristics as he's, has, is more opinionated on that specifically, but I really enjoyed the, or, uh, I don't know if it was rich in any of this episode, but we do get a lot of the Nebula class, which is one of my favorite, uh, variants that we have uh, in Star Trek. So having that be, you know, the, I guess the bad Federation ship as it were in this instance, <laughs> like, Rogue. you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's haul and butt and, you know, okay. It's not a galaxy class, you know, galaxy class. Cause that would just be weird to have two of those on the screen, but seeing this and being chased by the enterprise, like that was a kind of cool sequence. Like, you know, it's not quite as big, but you feel like it could kind of go toe to toe at least for a while with the one seven zero one D. And and you're a ship guy, Darren. I mean, we all are, but you're really a ship guy. What'd you think of the Kardashian ships of the ships? line? Yeah. The uh, yeah, <laughs> only what are you talking about, Philip? I've never <laughs> talked about starships here. On no, uh, I I mean I like them. I mean it's it's their logo. It's literally like as if you know, we built ships in the shape of the American flag, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I mean, but it works. I mean, it, it, it works because they're, it, it, it's partially, again, as we see in deep space nine a lot, it's kind of like their architecture. Everything kind of has this feel along with, you know, you know, whereas humans, we like ovals, we like curves and round things, you know, we have that a lot and they like, you know, triangles and, you know, v-necks and stuff like that so but their ships are pretty cool although i do i did feel that every time i saw one of their ships depicted in like a magazine or something they always turned it around and had the two little kind of like like i'm watching you you know pointer fingers going forward (laughs) instead of the uh no those are the three stooges (laughs) (laughs) exactly exactly i mean that's you know what it was built for the uh goal mo uh, but, uh, <laughs> but you know, I, but I like their ship. I mean, it was a very well-designed ship. Well, speaking of Golmo's hair, what do you think of uh, the these first uh, pro- proto-Cardassians, Daniel? So they they nailed, you know, they, they pretty much nailed the mostly the makeup, which is this very elaborate makeup, obviously, and uh, really good. I love the, the how the Cardassians look, especially once they're firmly established and not wearing what looks to be like uh you know those like cardboard drink holders you get from McDonald's it looks like that's the material that it's made out of uh but but mostly it's their headpiece that's ridiculous and i don't know who approved of this but like they have elf hats with i i guess like football helmet grid things i don't know i don't know what, what it is it's ugly and hideous and and Makes you think of those like tingler things, you know, where it's like a whole bunch of little prongs and they stick it on your head. It, I don't know. It's it's just I don't get those. It's like head how is this? Is it fashion? Is it actually supposed to protect their head in some way? Because I don't think it's it it I don't think it succeeds on either no. count. And uh, like Philip mentioned, I'm only about uh, halfway through season three, 
of my Deep Space Nine rewatch, so I don't remember, but I think I'm gonna go out on the limb and say it's the only time we see facial hair on a Cardassian. So I don't know, and it's really yeah. ugly, weird facial hair too. I don't know what. I can't think of another time. Yeah, these are even chop, the older ones. Yeah. So, um, so but, yeah, and, and these they don't have sort of the the neck thing and the wounded, um, and and they're a lot more hairy, and they also have that like you said, the armor is much more monochrome brown, is yeah, if, if I remember brown. correctly, almost like a brown mm-hmm. leather, just una one brown. It's like. It's like someone just did like the old, I don't know, MS paint and, you know, click the paint bucket that said dark brown Phil. and filled them in, <laughs> you know. Yes. Yeah. I... Well, they do have a little bit of the, I guess, snake, you know, cobra-esque uh, neck, but it's just, it's covered by most of their armor. It's not, they don't have like the off the shoulder look yet, you know, <laughs> that they get later where they show much more of their neck and shoulders. And I just, I guess I just don't understand what the point of the stupid head thing is. like. It can't be for protection because it's not protecting anything, unless like they like to headbutt things. I guess. I... Well, 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 it goes across here, like right along the nose. So maybe it's got like little tiny heads-up displays, like right in front of their eyes, and they can just like glance down and see, you know, text messages between so officers go- or something. So it's Google Glass, I, I... is what you're saying. <laughs> it's it's Google Glass taken to its final conclusion. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, enough about their appearance. But uh, yeah, like like you know, I think we all agree. <laughs> The Wounded is a great episode, and uh, you know I don't. I've never met a Star Trek fan who is is not a fan of O'Brien. So, and it's this is really the, his first time in the spotlight, and of course he carries the episode, and, and obviously they wanted to carry this through for a whole nother show. You know, and I think it's. I'm trying to remember where I read this. Um, maybe it may have been Larry Nemechek. I can't remember. Um, but basically, it's sort of like, hey, we need to use someone. That's on the crew, but not a main character. And they're like, you know that extremely talented actor we've had on Next Generation? <laughs> Movie actor who we really don't give enough to and we're kind of embarrassed. Let's actually give him something to do this episode. Um, so, of course, they, they used O'Brien. Um, and and it's, it's a great part. And I love, you know, and I, and I certainly want to, I'll give a tip of the um, Cardassian helmet to Deep Space Nine. <laughs> you know, they certainly try to deal with issues of, I don't want to say PTSD, I think people use that term too much. Um, but at least the effects of war. Uh, Deep Space Nine tried to approach that when they had it. But this one, Having I think, been is a great war. episode. Yeah. yeah, yeah. this episode does it real well because you have... Um, I'm sorry, I'm blanking on all these names here. But you have the rogue captain um, who's, who's and O'Brien who both have these similar experiences of, of what the Cardassian War, the massacres they saw, the captain losing his wife and children too, I believe. Um, and then O'Brien, you know, dealing with the, the, the things that he saw. And I mean, you actually see him, um, kind of having different kind of reactions now that he's, he's being brought back to that experiences with his families. Um, but, uh, it's, a, it's Maxwell, Captain Maxwell. Yeah. Captain Ben Maxwell. Right. Yeah. 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 I, I, yeah. I also think, <laughs> no, uh, just as, as an aside, I think everybody th- thinks this, but it's amazing if you go back and watch that episode and. I think this is just entirely a testament to Cole Meany and his acting ability. But you watch that episode and then you, you stack it next to any later, even later season Deep Space Nine episodes. And you're like, that is definitely the same character. Like, even though this is the first mm-hmm. time he was like, got anything media to deal with. Like, you know what I'm sometimes if we, we see our season one characters and our season seven characters, like Troy is completely different, like completely different. Yeah. It's like, right. <laughs> right. Well, in, in a lot of ways in, in acting, and in character um and and certainly uh 
O'Brien has development as well. But what I mean is, it was I just feel like he hit the ground running, like because up to that point we had only seen him, you know, be trans- transporter chief and. Um, yeah, and, and I mean, we could go on for this episode for, for, for a while here, but I think one thing that I definitely like about the introduction of the Cardassians is that they're just not cardboard villains. Like, you see, like, I think the one scene that kind of helps me with the Cardassian is when Gulmaset, I, I just looked the name up, I didn't really know that, um, uh, you know, Dukat's twin brother, um, catches his, his officer, you know, sp- you know, trying to access, you know, tactical stuff, and he's not, and he punishes them. So it's, it's they're trying to say, like, yeah, the Cardassians are bad guys, but they're not just, like, bad, bad guys. They're, they're a legitimate species with different opinions. And, and sure, at the end, it kind of, you know, Picard kind of confronts them, saying, well, I think Maxwell was right, but I believe in the treaty, and so maybe they are bad. But, you know, it, it kind of just, they're not just, like, baddies. They actually try to do a little bit of depth, even in that just brief introduction. And I do love the, the TNG tradition of whoever portrays a species first will then be contracted by Deep Space Nine to <laughs> then portray that species afterwards. So, <laughs> so if, if, you're, if you get any actors out there, you get signed up to Star Trek to introduce a new alien, you could be playing that alien for the next 14 years. <laughs> for the rest of your life. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was right searching uh, Memory Alpha. This is the first time we do see the Nebula class. So yeah. that's another uh, great introduction. So we get two new ships and a new species. That's pretty pretty awesome. Yeah. Well, the, the next appearance of the Cardassians is in um, Daniel's favorite episode, or one of them at least, Ensign Rowe. Um, and so we, we get this, you know, we get our, a bad moral. And I mean, any Cardassian episode after this features a bad moral. It's just like by contract. Um, and this is more where the, now not, not only do we have the Cardassians, now we introduce the Bajorans. Yay! Yay! Daniel, stop jumping up and down. <laughs> um, but it, but it, but it's interesting because you know we're we're just you know we're going to talk about the Cardassians obviously in this episode, but in some ways, in not a lot of ways, but in some ways you almost can't say Cardassians without saying Bajorans. Um, but you know so we get that but like not only were the Cardassians the bad guys but they were also occupiers so so Darren this is where what, the you Cardassians think basically become the Nazis and the well, and the Bajorans well, basically he, become yeah. Jews <laughs> i mean there's a you know cuz i don't want to get too political there's a lot of metaphors you can do about who's occupying what in the past you know 100 years here in the world but uh but yeah Darren what did you think of the the appearance in in uh in uh cuz they were mostly at the end um, right. of Ensign Rowe, but they, they still showed up. Again, I think it's, like I said before, the subtlety that is always given with the Cardassians. I mean, later we see, like, you know, their internal organization with, like, the Obsidian Order, and now we see, again, this occupation that we didn't see. So much of this ri- of this species is presented by what we don't see, but it works because you see the fallout or the interaction or the scars left behind. And it just creates, you know, it's, it's, it's a a good way to introduce a whole new, you know, species. I mean, think about it. It's a whole new species. Second time we've seen them. And, you know, normally in a show, you would just throw them in for like a dozen episodes to, to, you know, to flesh them out. But this way it's so much slower, but, with more depth because you're seeing these people, you know, you know how Picard acts when he's, you know, being a delegate and he's, you know, interacting with people, you know, briefly, you know, we've gotten to know Ensign Rowe and how she acts. And so 
the way they play off of this situation tells us volumes about the Cardassian. And it's, it's very well done. And what, what do you think, Daniel? Of course, you know, we did our own commentary episode of Ensign Row, but nevertheless, Daniel, what did you think of the sort of the, the brief Cardassian uh, appearance here in Ensign Row? Uh, we also have to, I just have to correct you, Philip. Um, they are the Bajora in this episode. So. Oh, that's true. <laughs> Look, I didn't correct you that they were Klingons. So. <laughs> it, is, it, is that a splinter faction? Of I, well, you, I you know. There's the Cardassians, which are the hairy ones, and then there's the Cardassians, which are the non-hairy ones. <laughs> and then there's the rich Kardashians. Oh, that's right. And, uh, oh, hey oh. hey oh. Um, Of course, I love this episode. And my actual favorite episode is also on this list, but um, mostly for the Ensign Rose stuff. But yeah, it is interesting. Going back that far, and we talked about this on our commentary episode, but... Seeing how much of the Deep Space Nine lore was set up unintentionally or maybe intentionally, I don't know if they were how far in advance they were planning that time. Um, but it's interesting. We do get to see that, that this first idea of, uh, you know, them <sighs> occupying, I couldn't think of the word, sorry, uh, of the occupation and, uh, and, basically just the subjugation of this entire species that kind of sets up a lot of everything in deep space nine and again it's the cardassians come off as a legitimate threat and and a powerful enemy that has this capability to do this and 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 kind of kind of one that we would need to deal with so it's good that it set that up i think for deep space nine so i I like the cardassians in that episode as well yeah and and i would think in some ways, and I don't know if, if people want to argue that, that this was a DS9 or a setup or a Voyager setup or whatever. But, like, I mean, I think a lot of people would say that this was unusual for TNG. That, I mean, we created the Cardassians and the wounded. All right, th- there's a history of war. Okay, now we show up again, and there's this history of occupation. And we're just building the species, you know, depth and width of the Cardassians. You know, it's not just the alien nose of the weak. And so it, it's cer- certainly a... Uh, you know, alien nose well, of the week. and, and yeah. the, the the other thing too that we have to remember is not only does the Cardassian Bajoran conflict set up Deep Space Nine, it really sets up Voyager as well. So this is kind of this is kind of the genesis of the rest of modern Trek. You know, Genesis, Genesis. <laughs> <laughs> Give me Genesis, Planet Forbidden. Okay, sorry. Uh, <laughs> well. Well, and, and the Cardassians, you know, you say that they're a threat, and we go, and this is overused, but I'm still going to say it, we go Cardassians into darkness with Chain of Command, parts one and two. Um, I mean, you know, you thought, like, oh, Cardassians, okay, they seem like, I don't know, like a cross maybe between a Klingon and a Romulan, I don't know. But, like, in Chain of Command, we're like, oh, boy, these are the Cardassians. So, I mean, and we get sort of the two. We get the, um, we get the Cardassians that Captain Jellico is dealing with, or, or three, I think, negotiating with. Um, and then we get to see, of course, the one that Gulmadrell, that's off the top of my head, I may be wrong. Madrid, um, I think. Madrid, yeah. That, that Picard is, is, is dealing with as his, his torturer. So, uh, so, Daniel, I mean, what do you think of this? I mean, this is two-parters, Cardassian the whole time. What do you, what do you think of their depiction here? Great. I mean, um, another example of fantastic casting i can't remember the actor's name but he's david warner uh he's amazing of course right and you have these two david warner's these two incredible actors you know performing these really 
really, you know, kind of provocative, especially at the time scenes, you know what I mean? Where, well, Picard was naked, right? And, uh, you know, but, but really yeah. just brutal and uh, really showed a depth to the, the Cardassians as well. And the fact, you know, that he was obviously very sophisticated. He was very smart. Um, he could he could interact with with Picard on Picard's level, and then he had no problem torturing him. You know, just just because he has a British accent, Daniel, <laughs> doesn't make him sophisticated. And no, I'm, uh, I'm I don't know if you know this, Philip, but in the what Next about? Generation universe, that's actually a French accent. Touche, <laughs> touche. Uh, what about you, Darren? No, this this I mean this is arguably one of the best two-parters that TNG does and with Cardassians at the center, you know, I mean we get Picard, our Picard captured and you know, and you know it's like okay, this the bad guy's got a one up and there and you have, you know, Jellico in the trying to be the diplomat and we're like, "Oh, he's not the diplomat. Picard should be the diplomat, you know. He can't handle these Cardassians and you know, we agree with Riker during this whole you know, instance, but, uh, but yeah, but the portrayal of, uh, of gold Madrid by, you know, David Warner is really, really well done. Did, did you guys know that gold Madrid is in a book? Uh, you might've heard of it. It's called a uh, ship of the line. <laughs> actually, no, it is. Speaking uh, of torture, <laughs> but no, uh, actually they, they have a subplot where he's actually set up all of these Madrid villages to that, where they cat, when they've captured, either Klingons or humans or Romulans, and they put them in these villages and then watch them and constantly, and they're, it's basically like learning your enemy and watching how they react. So, you know, another thread woven into a, a great book, but a great two-part, uh, a great two-part episode. I wouldn't have mind if, you know, Jellicoe had returned in some capacity or we had seen him, you know, at the helm of another galaxy class, you know, charging into, you know, Wolf three five nine, or an, or the Battle oh, of you wanted him to die? or something. Jeez, Darren, he would have died if he, if he was Wolf three five nine. That would have been before. That's true. That's true. Okay, that's true. I, He's not a Time Lord, so let's say uh, the battle for uh, the second battle for uh, Deep Space Nine or something. Like I do that. wish. Yeah. I, I'm surprised that they didn't pick him back up at all. Like they, he didn't have an appearance on Deep Space Nine at all. I, I think that would have been interesting to see him well, again. You know what? Well, of course, I knew him from RoboCop, so he's great. You know, great. Imagine him if he had showed up as an admiral on Deep Space Nine. That would have been interesting, I think. Um, But I'm pretty sure he is in a book. Later, they show him as like the head of Starfleet Academy. Actually, oh lordy, Um, he shows up in I can't remember which book it is, but he's like he's like the. Yeah, he's basically Snape. I mean, nope. He's he's hard as nails, but I guess he gets the job done. I don't know. Oh man. You know, he's he every year he wants to take command of the Enterprise. But anyway, um, you know, I, and again, chain of command. And I, and I keep don't mean to keep harping on it, but we get with uh, David Warner's character, Gal Madrid, whatever his name is, um, again, giving us the, the story about the Cardassians, you know, that we were once this kind of people and then hard times hit. And then so we embraced the, the military and became a militaristic society and, you know, martial law, which I'm kind of, you know, paraphrasing. Um, and that's what saved our economy, basically. I mean, that's kind of reading between the lines. 
So it's almost like a you know World War II metaphor in America, you know, where the Great Depression sort of the war saved it, but like they stayed that way the whole time, and just you know the war and expansion and and combat, and that's what makes Cardassian the Cardassian Union strong. And then Picard, of course, says, "Well, you know, what did you sacrifice because of that?" But I mean, again, we get that backstory. Like, I and again, layer, 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 layer. So you know, you think about all that layering we did with the Klingons in TNG, but like, like I said, the Cardassians are not just some. Um, you know, one paragraph summary alien. We're getting like pages of the of the Star Trek encyclopedia entry here, just from like their third appearance. And uh, Philip, you you just did this. Um, isn't emissary? Doesn't emissary take place right after Chain of Command Part Two? Yes, it does. So actually. I yes. imagine at that point it was probably a very concerted effort to kind of put a lot of that backstory in there, just to prepare people. Like, hey, guess what's coming out next week? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I believe that was the promo. Hey kids, guess what's <laughs> next week? Star Trek: New Space Nine. These new baddies will show up. See what shenanigans they've been up to. <laughs> like the lightest, yeah, the happiest Star Trek show you'll ever watch. Music ever. Yeah. <laughs> watch as they occupy an entire species yeah. and crush their will, destroying agriculture and their entire society. You've liked Mark Alamo from TNG. You'll love him on Deep Space Nine. Oh, boy. Um, Their next appearance was a very small appearance, but, uh, you know, contractually obligated to mention it. Um, The Chase, um, which are, what what do y'all, we've never talked about The Chase, have we? What what do y'all, do you have any Chase fans, Chase haters? Is that the first time we see a female Cardassian? I mean, besides, like, Madred's daughter? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, well, I'm sure, I don't know if if Deep Space Nine at that point had had shown a female Cardassian. I think they took a while to show them too. Uh, yeah, I don't. I can't remember. I don't think so. I mean, well, yeah, I, I yeah. think the first ones I think are those three scientists That's that awesome. showed up. But that was, was a while in. It was the chase where women finally broke the spoon barrier. <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, with with the greatest Klingon acting I've ever seen in that, oh, God, in that, that episode. <laughs> yeah, that was it was really bad. Yeah, but so. yeah, no, it was, it was all right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and the chase for those who don't remember, which I don't know, maybe we'll talk about that <laughs> next week. Um, the chase was basically where there's the, basically every species, alpha quadrant species, you know, cameos here. We got Klingons, we have Romulans, we have Cardassians. Um, I feel like I'm missing well, species. Well, don't forget, um, it establishes a super important. Yeah, <laughs> Uh, artifact for Picard that he carelessly <laughs> leaves and doesn't care about what's the Enterprise oh, he throws it over his shoulder yeah. it's so funny which like, you know, oh, I did not yeah. until I rewatched the chase and then read the Star Trek companion Larry's book I never knew what that was but the instant I read that I'm like oh I totally remember that part where he just chunked that I never realized yeah. that's what that was so that's funny like, yes. do you know how rare this is, number one, to find one in <laughs> And he was totally nerdgasming over that. If you watch The Chase, it's like the first 15 minutes is Picard and that, and that artifact. Just like, yeah. do you two want to be alone? Or, <laughs> I don't know. Um, so, yeah, so we get that brief appearance in The Chase. Not, not much to talk about other than, you know, if you watch it. Um, now, uh, Daniel, you, you, you tend to talk about this episode a lot. Parallels. <laughs> um, I do. We don't get a lot of them. Um, he does. But, well, he, <laughs> I, I, he, 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 he does. Uh, I don't know. I always think. But, yeah, so that they, we get a brief, you know, Galore's blowing up the Christmas light probe that's always <laughs> malfunctioning array. So, I don't know. It's not much to them other than that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Although, and yeah. we do see one. So, uh, so 
at the con, right? Isn't that in one of the the parallels? Or am I thinking of uh, um? No, that's right. You're thinking of the the Ferengi from Future Imperfect, I think. Or was there a Cardassian? Mm, in no, I'm parallel? pretty sure there was a Cardassian at at the con. It's either okay. it's either parallels or it's all no, it's not all good things. So it must be parallels. I'm pretty okay. sure. But now I'm doubting I myself. I don't remember wow. seeing that. I know at one point there's been one at the con. Nothing worse than a doubting Cardassian. Um, So, yeah, but, you know, we get there that, you know, there's a border with the Cardassians and, you know, problems, blah, 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 blah. Okay, so then we go to uh, Lower Decks, which is Daniel's episode. So, Daniel, I'll let you take this one. Um, Do we actually see them or is it just more of a... No, she gets on the shuttlecraft with with the Cardassians. So, yeah, it's, you know... Uh, with the super tall Cardassian. Yeah, you know, and we get a little, you know, of course at this point we're almost almost a whole season into Deep Space Nine, I think. And so they had started to establish some stuff as well, but we had previously seen um, Ensign, uh, uh, what's her name? Now I can't remember. Um, Cito? Yeah, Ensign Cito, thank you. Uh, in uh, First Duty, so that was nice to have her back, and then, of course, being a Bajoran, and being the only Bajoran in Starfleet besides Roe at that point, I think, um, they put her on that special mission uh, to pretend like she had been captured by the defecting Cardassian, which was interesting. We get another layered Cardassian where he's talking about how he's sick of war, you know, to pick up the thread that Philip was talking about from Chain of Command. And, you know, he didn't want his daughter or something to have to fight or whatever it was. Um, and then unfortunately she dies spoilers, but yeah, I, it's a great, it's a great episode and the Cardassian bits only happen towards the end. Um, but mm-hmm. I think it's another example of, uh, handling the race properly, you know, making it interesting, making not every character cardboard cut out, making them have unique motivations as well. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Darren, what about, what about you for lower decks? The continued yeah, Cardassian no. threat. Yeah, Lower Decks is a great episode. And though I did I did look up, I was right. Um, there was a Cardassian con officer in Parallels. He's in a red shirt. Uh, I think he's like in one shot. But, uh, but no, but Lower Decks, yeah, again, it's even more of the same where you have the referred but not seen. Um, you know, I mean, so much of this is that it, it uses that template because there's a lot going on um, you know, in the, in the senior staff that we don't see, you know, conversations we're not a part of. And be, I mean, that's the whole purpose of this Lower Decks episode is we don't see, you know, all, what's going on and it's slowly revealed to us. And again, that just goes hand in hand so well with the Cardassians because they are still so mysterious. I mean, yes, we, we know a lot about them, but, you know, we, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a rare day when you have a Cardassian on a Federation starship. <laughs> And it's interesting in this episode because, and we'll talk about it when we finish this episode rundown, um, is is that, you know, what's the state of play here? You know, what are the, what's the, you know, we, we have the peace treaty, right, you know, with the wounded, and so we're playing nice. But here we're just sort of doing intel missions into, which we did in Chain of Command, right? Um, and so it's kind of like, like we mentioned earlier, the Cold War aspect. We're at peace, but not really, sort of, kind of. Um, so th- there's actually an episode that I didn't have on my list, which I feel a little embarrassed, though I blame Memory Alpha. Um, so I may be out of order here, but I just thought yep. of it. Journey's End. Um, 
Journey's End. Uh, this is the, I don't know, what, what, <laughs> I don't know what to say about it. Um, Wesley's final episode. The Chakotay episode. TV episode. Yeah. Um, so anyway, because I really, I, I, it's been a while since I've seen this one, though I do remember Necheyev, because again, bad moral Cardassians go together hand in hand. In hand. Um, so this is basically where we get the introduction. Well, I was going to say the Maquis, but that's not true, because they don't say that word. So the introduction of... Native Americans in space, um, and that they're here in the uh, demilitarized zone, which, you know, I used the uh, uh, Korea metaphor at the beginning of this show. What do we have in Korea? The demilitarized zone, DMZ. And so, you know, because we, we have the neutral zone, right, with the Klingons. It's basically and the, the same thing. In, in TOS and then the Romulans um, in both TOS and TNG, but the Cardassians get the de- demilitarized zone. And so that, that's where the, this, this kind of fight is now, you know, we talked about the treaties, we talked about the occupation of Bajor, now we're going to talk about the DMZ. And so that was sort of the introduction there in Journey's End. So I'll open for them. What did y'all think of the Journey's End, as far as the Cardassians go, not the magical turn into an energy being? <laughs> yeah, um, I just watched this, obviously, because I just finished TNG uh, on my rewatch. And what's amazing to me is they don't, you're right, Philip, they don't mention the Maquis in that episode, but... Journey's End sets up a lot. And then the next episode that aired was was Deep Space Nine's uh, The Maquis. That's the name of the episode, I think. Yep, yeah. part one and two. And, um, like, immediately right back to back. So I was like, that's, like, that's exactly what I would want. want. I know they didn't do that very often uh, between the two shows. But I was, like, blown away that it was like, oh, here's a planet full of miserable people who, who hate this treaty and we're gonna, they're going to fight to protect their planet. Oh, and by the way, this is going on all over the place, and now we're going to have to deal with it. So that was cool. Um, and obviously the Cardassians are at the center of that. Um, and, and, we, and we do get the crossover of Necheyev, mm-hmm. right? She, she appears does. both yep. in that, and, and so she, she sort of gets to be the crossover character for, for TNG and Deep Space Nine in that series, because she's in both um, Journey's End and in the Maquis. Yeah, so there we are now, two Star Trek shows setting up the third one, which is interesting. As well, <laughs> to the journey, to the journey, <laughs> to the journey, and um, and uh, yeah, and I think we get into a firefight with the Cardassians. I think on that in that episode, right? yeah, because that's when magical roll eyes <laughs> uh, pauses yeah. time because you remember they're fighting. Mm-hmm. And yeah. da, 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 so, um, and and Darren, I'm just going to go ahead and throw the one more episode because it's almost the same concept: preemptive strike. Um, this is Ensign Rose, or is she still Ensign, or is she Lieutenant Rose? But anyway, this is where she where she defects. Yeah, but this is basically Maquis again. I mean, I say again, even though they weren't mentioned as being Maquis, but it was Maquis not again. the Bajora. <laughs> yeah, and Wait, so it's basically the same thing. Um, I mean, not to detract about the episode, but you know, the same concept. So you know, preemptive strike and journeys in the Maquis Cardassians. What, what did you think about that, Darren? No, again, you know there. They seem to use the writers seem to use the Cardassians well. Like they they had a plan for where they were going to insert them into the Star Trek universe and into which episodes, so that they actually added to the story. And you're right, they were never the villain of the week or something, or or even something that just reoccurred. So, you know, even though if they might be a minor part in certain episodes, whenever you see them, it's always with intent. I'm sure if anyone submitted a Cardassian script, I don't think it ever was like, oh, well, yeah, let's just stick that after episode 12. You know, it's like, no, it's like it's got to fit into our bigger plan for the species. 
Uh, I mean, obviously in DS9, I'm sure that, that now they were into let's flesh out the species in the background, but but in 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 next gen, you know, even the smallest instances like these two episodes, uh, you know, it, it's still building to the mystery, and we get so much build up, and then we get some great payoff, you know, later on, especially in DS9. I mean, everything is just benefiting DS9 at this point, which is great. And of course, I always have to give uh, Daniel the row word here, preemptive strike. <laughs> What'd you think there? You know, um, it's yeah, like 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 Darren was talking about. It's just, and like the previous episode as well. It's just a really wonderful world building episode um, that we that we see is setting up things for both Deep Space Nine and for Voyager and. Uh, I love that shared universe aspect of it. And really the Cardassians are at the center of it, really. Like the Cardassians are mm. because obviously we had to deal with three two and a half seasons of war with these people, you know, on TNG, so we know them very well. Kidding, kidding. Sarcasm. Ha ha ha. I remember that episode arc <laughs> of the war. Those are the lost episodes of season two that never got aired, which is why oh, it's uh, 22 episodes that's, instead that's of 26. That's why uh, Pulaski left to become a medic in the Cardassian War. Medic! <laughs> um, and then, of course, you know, you know, they're obviously at the center of, of what Deep Space Nine became, and they're the catalyst for what created half of Voyager's crew. And, you know, it's just interesting, and, uh, and I like to see that. I always enjoy it. And, I, and they're never, like Darren was mentioning, there's never, like, a stupid, dopey moment of a Cardassian, like, you know, some th- they never like cheapen yeah. them in any way. They're all, I mean, even parallels, which we said was like a tiny bit of Cardassians. Like it still was like it was just a thread. It's like okay, this could have been the the Ferengi or whoever. Like a ship is attacking. It doesn't even matter who it is. But the fact that it was the Cardassians, it just was adding little seeds of like even in parallel universes we don't yeah. trust them <laughs> look we got some spare b roll from deep space nine we can use <laughs> of a galore attacking we could just use that um well and i think we hit all the episodes maybe i've forgotten one but blame memory alpha if i did um so we've kind of talked about this but kind of putting this into the bigger story of tng as as villains where do the cardassians rank and 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 i feel like i'm repeating myself but but to me i, I think you know, because when I think TNG, I always think Romulans. That's the dominant villain um, of TNG. But I don't know, Cardassians, it, to me, they almost, which I know it's, it's really not good to make a TOS comparison because, you know, three seasons versus seven seasons and blah, 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 blah. But to me, they, they almost are a better Klingon comparison because there's almost this Cold War. We're at war. We're not at war. You know, we we meet on odd occasions and have civil conversations, but then we try to shoot each other and beat each Quotes other up. Quotes Shakespeare at each other. <laughs> exactly. And so, I mean, you know, and of course it's sort of the back half of TNG, but I mean, you know, seven seasons means three and a half. Um, so, I, I mean, I think they really are of a more prominent role than I really have thought about them in the next generation, even though people may think of them as the DS9 villain. Um, so, I mean, I think they, they really do play a strong part in... And we really did create that really rich foundation. It's not just like, yeah, we showed Cardassians twice, and then Deep Space Nine gave them the elaborate backstory. Like, no, we basically gave them the elaborate backstory, and they just had fun with it. So, um, so Darren, where do you think the Cardassians rank as the, the TNG bad boys and girls? Yeah, I'd say it's hard to rank them against like the Romulans, like you said, which were such a prominent species uh, in... Um, 
in TNG, but I feel like whenever we saw a Romulan, it was always just a captain. It's like, oh, look, there's Captain so-and-so, and and they're just doing their thing. You know, oh, look, here's Captain, you know, I hate asteroids, doing his thing. Whereas every time we interacted with the Cardassians, I felt like we were going up against the entire society and like they had a plan and this was a chess piece that was moving here to test this. Whereas the Romulans was more like, you know, they're just off on their sailing ships and we just happen to run into one and it's causing us a problem. Like, so again, both (laughs) well-used villains, but in completely different ways. What about you, Daniel? Where, Where do you rank? What do you think of the Cardassians and the TNG oeuvre? I mean, I, we, we did a whole episode on Romulans, and I love Romulans. Romulans are my favorite. But I... Wasn't that like our second episode? Yeah, it was, it was early <laughs> on. But um, yeah, I actually see... I'm, I'm going to just disagree with you a little bit there. And I actually see a huge amount of comparisons between the Romulans and the Cardassians, especially at, like how they're dealt with on TNG. They're both kind of... They keep to themselves... I think Romulans may be a bit more, but, but you know, we're they, back. And then, of course, we're, there's uneasy alliances with, or not alliances, but ceasefires and truths and zones of, of non aggression. And so, you know, and they're both cunning, I think, really, as to me, is, is what I think. Mm. They're smart and they're threatening. And, like, you know, when you're, when you're face to face with them, uh, it's going to be a challenge. They take them seriously as a threat, and and it works very well. And I think, you know, like we've been talking about, even in the few episodes that we see them on the next generation, uh, very very well developed spe- species that only that only gets richer, obviously, the further you go into Deep Space Nine. Well, and and how can we compare the two? I mean, they they even they even have the great team up later on in Deep Space Nine, where you know they fight side by side. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's true. That is true. Yeah, and we in I mean the uh and you know introducing sort of the the gull you know that's the Cardassian captain I like the little, the little things like the term gull and then the yeah, galore like class which we talked about but the galore class vessel which I think we just see one type I don't think we get to see another type of Cardassian vessel until Deep Space Nine no maybe. Uh, I I I feel that some of the footage that we saw in like parallels it was more like an orange like stubbier Cardassian ship but maybe I'm mixing mixing some together um oh no way i'm thinking of um the defiant episode in deep space nine yeah no i don't yeah. i don't think we saw something else until deep yeah. space nine so so any any kind of features of the Cardassians? anything you want to throw in there before i um and we talked about it. let's just kind of end here on, on this note so we've talked about like we've said deep space nine voyager about 20 times or 50 times this episode so um because we like to talk about all shows um, when we talk star trek um and so i think you know when it comes to cardassians again you know we set that foundation but you know it, they went everywhere except enterprise of course because of obvious reasons um and so you know do you th- at the time, I mean, at least at the time, I enjoyed it. Um, but looking back, do you think, like, was this a TNG thing or were they just setting everything up? Like, you know, were it not for developing Deep Space Nine and Voyager, do you think we would just not have had Cardassians? Or do you think, like, this was sort of, like, a legit, like, do you feel like you're, you're, you're sort of like, oh, maybe this was just, you know, were we being robbed here? Or, or, or was it just, like, a genuine, like, yes, Cardassians, and no, they're so interesting, we'll use them for another series? Well, I don't know what the actual timeline is, but 
Deep Space Nine premiered in season six, and uh, The Wounded is in season three. Now, it's possible and possibly they had some ideas going on, but I, I, I cannot imagine that at least the first appearance or two were anything other than, hey, we want to make an interesting villain, and that's, that's what it is. And then obviously it became something more, and it became a foundation for something that they wanted to build. Uh, like, uh, but I, 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 don't, I can't imagine that that was the idea going into it. Yeah, I agree. I don't think they... It, the threads would have to be very long for someone to be sitting down and going, okay, this is going to become the dominant species we talk about for an entire Star Trek show. But, but yeah, but it was obviously a well-written species, and it showed up enough that the audience was obviously interested in it, so it made sense. You know, I'm sure they were trying to decide, uh, you know, how to flush out, you know, the 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 background of DS9 and you know obviously yes there are some episodes where it's very specifically a setup you have a lot of Ensign Rose stuff you have a lot of you know the Maquis stuff and that's very a direct setup but uh, but no I feel you know if for some reason there wasn't going to have been a Deep Space Nine that that just didn't happen no one said hey let's have another series run at the same time I still think we would have seen you know a couple of Cardassian episodes and they would have been great and continued to be used because they never changed character. It was never like there was never a shift of like, okay, well now we're going to play these characters this way because we're setting up this show. It was just, they just built upon what was already there because they were already a great villain. You know what it was? They released that first episode, the wounded, uh, you know, not thinking anything of it. And then fans were so confused by this mention of war with the Cardassians they created Deep Space Nine to show a war with the Cardassians so now everybody could be appeased. They were so so wanting to show Star Trek continuity in TNG that they built an entire series <laughs> to flesh it out after that episode. That that makes total sense, Dan. So does that mean the next uh, Star Trek series will be about the Romulan War? That we were well, promised it, in Enterprise? It would have been, but then it was canceled. <laughs> Oh, goodness. Well, um, and on that note, you know, it's been fun talking about the Cardassians and the next generation today, but this is just one of the many Trek topics we've been talking about on the network this week. Here's a quick look at what else you may have missed here on Trek.fm. Previously on Trek.fm, Standard Orbit. Hey, it was the biggest opening ever for a movie, and, uh, you know, it was, it got huge critical acclaim and success and fans were you know most not every but most fans were really happy with it earl gray kids these days gosh back in my day our nacelles were round and we went warm five <laughs> and our dishes were large our dishes were large and we liked it that way the ready room yeah one of the things i noticed about that in terms of the population is everybody on a mini r seems to have a number in their name which may indicate yeah. that they yes have a lot of children perhaps to kind of compensate for the fact that they're killing 3 million people a year the orb mourn chest yes. bumping a, a dancing bowling is one of the awesome. best scenes in deep space nine so awesome <laughs> to the journey when you brought it up i was like that's right because it's that weird moment when you're like is that is that Dietrich Bader? What's going on? <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, and indeed it is. And he had this weird kind of like Jerry curl thing going on <laughs> in, his, in his hair. Commentary, Trek stars. There was even a little bit of an Voyager. There was Kess. But then they, you know, decided to not do that and just made her a space carry, which is what her name should have been. 
Neelix and Space Carry. Warp five. I feel like that's an that's that's an award that didn't exist until DVDs existed. Like no one had the best Betamax release of the year. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> it just that's wasn't right. a thing. <laughs> and, and it always goes to the one studio that decided not to turn their back on Betamax. Continuing mission. I think it will be fun for younger people. I think it will be fun for people that can connect with with those characters in this family situation. Literary treks. The relationship that she's having with Spock at this point is one of a very deep friendship, like a very deep friendship. And, and she's caring for her friend who's gone through what could only be considered a trauma. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. Check out these shows and get in on the Daily Trek Talk. You'll find them on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, the Windows Podcast Directory for Xbox and Zune, or you can stream from the website. Just visit trek.fm slash pd for podcast directory to get all the links. If you would like to contact us to share your thoughts on today's show, just go to trek.fm slash contact. From there, choose Send a Show and select Earl Grey. These messages will be emailed to the three of us. You can also use the tab on the right-hand side of any page on trek.fm to send us a voicemail using your webcam's microphone. The conversation is always going on with our podcast crew and other listeners in our forums at trek.fm slash forums. And finally, in social media, you'll find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash trek.fm and on Twitter under username trek.fm. You can also leave a rating on our iTunes page in order to help other listeners find our show. Before we go, we'd like to ask everyone to please support our sponsor, who helps bring us Earl Grey to you each week. And our sponsor for this show is Audible.com. Audible is a great way for you to read all the books you've always wanted to read, but never thought you'd have time for. Audible is the premier source for audiobooks with more than 150,000 titles to choose from, and new titles coming every week. From classics to current bestsellers, and even some of the most famous Star Trek books, like Imzadi, Federation, and Q-Squared, Audible has something for everyone. As a Trek.fm listener, you can get a free audiobook of your choice, along with a 30-day trial to see just how great Audible is. So give it a try today, catch up on all those classic Star Trek books you've yet to read, and that latest novel from your favorite author as well. Just go to audibletrial.com slash trekfm and sign up today. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash trekfm, and we thank Audible for supporting Earl Grey and trek.fm. And here at Earl Grey, we got some great email feedback uh, this past week. Um, it was from Gene R. Oh, my gosh. Gene Roddenberry emailed us. <laughs> oh, no way. That was, it's a different Gene R. Okay. Um, he, he, uh, he, he put a... In the, in the question of where in the universe are you, he answered, not in the briar patch. And this is why. He says, hello, Earl Grey. Earl Grey! Oh, wait, wrong show. Wait, that's wait, it, that's, we don't have yeah. that thing. That's no, that's what he thing. says. I'm reading his email. <laughs> <laughs> he says, oh, wait, wrong show. And so he says, so I was listening to the journey. To the journey! To the journey! And sometimes yeah. they do an episode rewrite, which I really like. Tristan and Shard do a great job reworking some of the Voyager episodes. TNG doesn't have as many episodes that really need a lot of rework. That's him saying that, not me, Shar, and Tristan. But if you ever get the chance, I would love to hear your ideas for an insurrection rewrite, cough Daniel. Maybe one that takes full advantage that he didn't write that. Maybe the one that takes full advantage of the most advanced ship in the fleet, 
participating in the Dominion War that was raging across the rest of the Alpha Quadrant at the time. I like the Captain Jod as much as the next senior officer, but seriously, there's a war on, folks. If there was ever a missed opportunity for Picard and his crew, that would be it in my opinion. So, Daniel, you know, Dominion War, you're, you're watching Deep Space Nine, your love of insurrection, you know, what, what do you think about that comment? Let's do it. Let's, uh, let's make insurrection instead of... Uh, what it was. Let's make it a Deep Space Nine crossover movie with the with uh, you know with the war and oh my goodness that would be so great. Like you could have both crews. This is just, would fit perfectly. It would be amazing. The Deep Space Niners would get their movie. We would have our movie. There would be the Enterprise E blowing up Dominion ships. Oh my goodness, I love I love this idea. This is the best thing I've ever heard. No, I agree. That's a great idea because, I mean, we see only one front, really, of the Dominion War through the lens of what's happening around the station. And so there could be, you know, the seventh attack fleet that's led by, you know, this super advanced, you know, ship built to fight the Borg. Hey, maybe we should use that, you know, uh, the Enterprise-E. And we see Picard and all our favorite characters kicking butt and you know, we could have a reason for Worf to get in the movie that's a little more <laughs> legitimate because he's he's helping out, you know, with the Defiant. They've already teamed up once before. So, now I think that's a great idea. And, you know, yeah. not to discount the, the good things we did get from that movie, but that's a great that's a great premise. Yeah, I mean, and I love a Star Trek movie where the Enterprise saves the Defiant spot. <laughs> so, uh, Gene, we thank you for that email, and you too can send us feedback. And we also received some great reviews here on iTunes for Earl Grey. Um, and I'm going to read two of them, because so, we really appreciate anyone who lets us know how we're doing. Um, preferably positively, but hey, we can take it either way. Um, so this is from Liquid Cross, and this is titled... A fine cup of tea, indeed. He says here on iTunes Review that this great podcast, that's us, Earl Grey, offers an in-depth examination of TNG series and films, as well as its interconnections to the other Trek properties. Aside from spotlighting and rightfully glorifying Trek's finest aspects, the unholy trio of Philip, Daniel, and Darren are also unafraid to poke fun at TNG's low points. It does have them, like any other show, during their often hilarious discussions and digressions. And so we really appreciate that liquid cross because, yeah, one thing we like to do in Earl Grey, we, you know, we recognize that we're just a small part in the, the great Trek story. And we, so that's why we like to talk about all the other series and also that, you know, good, bad and the ugly. We, we are all comfortable with it. You know, we're not one of these people who drink the Kool-Aid about our show. We, we're more than happy to talk about the good things and the bad things. So we appreciate your comment. And let me read one more here. Um, this is from Phasers to Wellsby. Um, and his title here, which, which you know, Phasers to Wellsby, you and me, we're on the same page. He says, they even find the positive injustice, hashtag justice, <laughs> copyright Philip Gilfus. Um, he says, the crew seems to have a lot of fun making this podcast and clearly love the series. I appreciate that they can love the series, talk in depth about the messages and themes of the series, and still have a good laugh about scans. <laughs> Plus, any podcast that will stand up and defend justice is made by true fans and deserves to be listened to. So, Phasers to Wellsby, we appreciate that feedback. Oh, that was some nice feedback. That was that was really cool. We, we have such witty you know, listeners, they often have such great titles and such well-written uh, responses. Well, I mean, if they're listening to our show, That's they're, right. they're, they're obviously basically geniuses, really. 
I mean, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, when you listen to the Unholy Trio, there's nothing but good stuff. <laughs> That's right. We're we're going to have to work on how we feel about that title, but we're going to keep it for now, guys. So Unholy Trio here on Earl Grey. Uh, well, we'll see how, how that works out and how we feel about that, especially. I know, it's uh, no ISS, but. That's you true. Know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, goodness. So, but, you know, we appreciate those iTunes reviews, and please keep them coming. Um, and this is from iTunes uh, U.S., um, so I admit we're, we're a little, or at least I'm a little uh, jingoistic in looking at my iTunes reviews. So if you're giving us a review from another country iTunes, please let us know because sometimes I don't look. Um, on Stitcher as well, please let us know. Um, but yeah, please uh, keep, com- keep those iTunes and Stitcher reviews coming. Uh, these iTunes reviews and Stitcher reviews are very important to us, not only because Daniel, Darren, and I love to hear how we're doing or not doing, as the case may be, but also because it impacts how the show and other Trek FM shows places in iTunes and on Stitchers, and reviews such like this and ratings uh, make it easier for other folks to find this great show um, and share it. So we know it takes a lot of time for you to leave these reviews, and we are very appreciative um, that you do it. So as an added incentive, um, that if you uh, if you're a listener who hasn't left a review, you please do. And if you do, we can get a you can have a chance at some great prizes as part of this month long promotion we're doing here on Trek.fm. So if you leave a review um, and and let us know about it, you get a chance of some great prizes that include a season of Star Trek, your choice on either Blu-ray or DVD, an official Starships collection from Japan, complete with a Japanese magazine. Um, so if you don't do Read Japanese. It's a nice collectible, anyway. A Star Trek novels or a full or a full collection of our alien art badges. Winners will be drawn at random from all the entries we receive before midnight Pacific time on July 31st. So you still have a few days here. All you need to do is to enter is to leave us a rating and review on either iTunes or Stitcher. Uh, you can only leave one review per show, of course, here on Earl Grey, but you can review our other great shows to include our master feed, um, and you'll receive one entry per drawing. And uh, that all you have to do is just, like I said, leave a review, number one. And your second part is just go to trek.fm slash review and complete that form that will let us know you've, you've done that review and we can match it up and all that great stuff and, and put your entry in and hopefully you can win a great prize. So we look forward to hearing from you and thank you for your support. And also, Trek Fan, a great way for you to take your love of Star Trek and put it into action. At TrekFan, you will explore new places, learn new things, and collaborate with other fans to solve puzzles, complete real-life mission objectives, and win great prizes. Challenges include communications, engineering, and flight operations. There's internet relay chat, free books through Starfleet Academy, and much more. Best of all, it's absolutely free. Not just free to play, but completely free. Find out more by visiting fm.trekfan.org. Again, that's fm.trekfan.org. And remember to use this special URL so they know you heard about it here on Earl Grey and Trek.fm. And lastly, there's one more way you can directly help us keep Earl Grey coming to you each week, and that is by adopting some aliens. Well, illustrations anyway. If you go to trek.fm slash donate, you'll find eight original alien illustrations by Toba Ushi, who does most of the artwork you see on our website. They're available as both badges and art prints, and there are different contribution levels for you to choose from. Just let us know which you would like in which format. Again, you'll find them at trek.fm slash donate, and your support helps us pay for the cost of production, hosting, and bandwidth that's needed to bring the show to you each and every week. All right, Daniel, if, if folks want to 
ask you about how the Romulans and the Cardassians compare to each other as next generation villains. Where can they find you on the internet? They can find me on Twitter uh, at OneUpDan, and that is the number, not the word. And Darren, if folks want to ask you how a Cardassian would look like in a scant, where can they find you? Oh, thanks for that middle picture, Philip. Uh, no, so if they want to find me online, they can find me on Twitter under username Dr. Sci-Fi. Um, and if folks want to contact me, they can find me on Twitter as well. My handle is NC Public Servant. That's NC like North Carolina. Guys, it's been great talking about the Cardassians. I'm going to go have a drink in the bar and, and reminisce about old Stompy. Oh, that guy was crazy, man. Well, it's been great. Make it so. Endgame. Live long and prosper. Fire.